Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Max and Paul are here uh, on a kind of a, a weird, a weird vibed day. It's a, we're all kind of experiencing a, a bizarre hangover after yesterday's uh, loss versus Arsenal. Um, very, it's conflicting vibes happening for us. I think all of us are trying to figure out how to feel after that. I know I am. I was still angry. Yeah, I don't know if you if you guys were ready to throw things like I was, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I got over it, though, because I actually... I, I, all my sports teams lost yesterday except for the Panthers, oh. and that's the last team I watched. Mm. So I got to end on a halfway decent note. Uh, look at uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to the Wake Forest... Uh, Notre Dame American football game on Saturday. Yeah. And it was ridiculously hot. We had lawn seats where you kind of sit underneath the scoreboard on the grass in the end, like right behind the end zone. And the heat was ridiculous. I mean, I was just, I had to be the sweatiest guy there. It was disgusting. Well, and and the thing is, Bennett had just had his academy game at nine o'clock. And then we'd driven from there to play in another league. And and it was his second half game, so it, we were in the heat there. We go oh. to another place with no shade either, you know. And then we go to to watch Wake Notre Dame, and Wake just got stomped. So it's just it's just a bad yeah. I was just exhausted, and then I was expecting you know what, everyone's going to turn this around for me, right? Nah. Is that possible? Is that going to no? Um, oh well. Um. <laughs> uh, so guys. We should go ahead and get to the Arsenal talk, uh, but really quickly, let me uh, summarize what's happening in uh, this show for the, the, the pod people out there. Uh, we're going to start with the Arsenal reaction, as I mentioned. Um, then we're going to have a conversation about uh, our midfield, our center midfield situation. Uh, right now, we're still trying to find the right combination that works the best for our, for our team. It seems like we're having to start a lot of players that play this, the same style. Uh, and what is going to work best. And uh, Davies' performance in the Arsenal match gave us a little more to talk about. So let's try to make some sense of it, is, is the point of that one. Uh, then we're going to talk about somebody who could have been contributing to that conversation, uh, Nikola Vlasic, who has been tearing it up at CSK Moscow. Uh, yeah, he's been playing well. Some decent highlights mm-hmm. for that guy. He's getting some Champions League experience. Um, and then we're going to finish... With our quiz segment, which Max has just dubbed, if you know your history. Yes. Uh, it's such a good idea, Max. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Thank you. Can't say it's not good. <laughs> so that's that's our quiz segment that Max has just dubbed. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing that to wrap up the show. Um, by the way, uh, I randomly hear both my si- my three year old and my six year old. Singing Grand Old Team at random moments. <laughs> They'll be just sitting there like my three-year-old will just be playing with his cars. And I'll hear him go, what the heck do we care? And I'm like, yes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's so Probably good. Raisin blue, Sherry, that's good, mate. That's oh, good. oh, yeah. Especially, uh, yeah, that's, that's the cool thing is the kids knowing the words to that. 
Um, especially nice. since I just learned the words to it a few years ago. <laughs> so they'll be much better off than I, than I am. <laughs> uh, so guys, let's, let's rip in, let's tear in to a fresh bag of Arsenal reaction. Um, I, let's just start with just pure thoughts on this because it was such a weird game in terms of how that transpired. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start with Paul because Max seems like he's ready to talk about it and I'm giving him a second to chill. <laughs> so Paul, <laughs> you can see the steam just coming off of his hair. Uh, Paul, uh, what, what were your thoughts on yesterday's loss? And we'll get more specific. If you just give, give us some vague concepts to begin with. Um, impressed with the performance for the most part. It was a lot better. It was better than I was expecting, to be honest. <clears throat> and I, I do think we were hard done by. Um, a performance like that, particularly until we conceded the first goal, I thought we were the, probably the better team. Definitely the better team in the second half before the goal went in. I thought we were, we have every reason to feel hard done by, and I think the players wouldn't say totally redeem themselves after what happened with West Ham the other week. But I feel watching that as a supporter, that maybe myself included, because I put myself in this bracket, maybe we got a little bit too, a bit too critical, a bit over over the top when we were going and we were going mad about West Ham. I think we are still a work in progress, and the the green shoots of recovery are definitely there. Definitely. And it was, to sum up, it was a lot better than last season. We fall yeah. down for 20 minutes. So, hey, we're on the way up. You know, I remember uh, when we were recording Thursday, we were really just talking about having a go. You know, going there to win. And not just kind of running in and going, not in the face, not in the face. You know what I mean? Because that's what we played last season. Exactly. Different, different animal altogether uh, this season. Yeah. Yeah. Different vibe, different attitude, different approach, and it, we deserve something out of the game, in, in my opinion. I, I feel, you know, it's we were unlucky. There's no reason to be really angry at the players. Just be angry at the officials. You're going to be angry at anybody. Uh, Max? Right. So I think, you know, being that game on Super Sunday, there's a, there's a lot of anticipating, anticipation riding on the game. Obviously, you know, you see on the Saturday... I know it's early on in the season, but I like to consider everyone your competition early on in the season. I think it's about accumulating as many points as you possibly can. When you see the likes of Man City and Liverpool pick up big wins and you see the likes of, you know, Spurs getting a result, it, it you know, it puts the pressure on that little bit more. You know, you're waiting for your team to play and you you're adamant that you wanna get the, you wanna see them get a result. Obviously, not an not an easy task coming up against Arsenal and I express I express my views on how much I don't like going to the Emirates. I think we've, well, after this loss now, I think we've lost 11 times there now since it opened in 2007. But uh, some, some, someone decided to pick up on Twitter and have a little go at me because after um, after the first goal went in, I think it was something like three, four minutes between the first and the second goal. And, uh, you know, I'd had a bit to drink and obviously, you know, every, everyone who's got a brain about them knows alcohol and social media isn't the, isn't the best combination. So, uh, you know, I branded us as shite. I went, you know, shite from Everton, conceding two goals in three, four minutes, whatever it was. And, you know, some, someone obviously kind of with the more, with the similar protestive to, to Paul come up with, you know, we played well. It was a big improvement. Yeah, I agree with that. That that first half performance was fantastic. I said before the game, you know, the approach that we need to have is we need to press, we need to be in the face, we need to not give them any room to think or have time on the ball. And, 
from Marco Silva's perspective, I think the way he set up the side was absolutely fantastic. So kudos to him because he had the right approach up until that that second half. Obviously, the the first goals go in, and I thought I thought we just shrunk. We just shrunk in confidence. We we, we sat back deeper. You know, we were given like Lacazette when he picked up that ball, and obviously Aubameyang. I'll get into Aubameyang, but uh, you know, the, their creative players and the deadly players seem to have a lot more room and freedom. And obviously, they kind of asserted their dominance as the game played out when they were two 0 up. And it just let me down, you know. It, it really disappointed me because when you see a performance like that in the first forty-five minutes, the chances we spend, Jerry. I mean, we had ten shots, six of them on target, which is as we, you know, we'd never have got done that under Sam Allardyce. Yeah. But you know, you're creating the chances. You got to make them count. You've, you've got to make them count. And it, it, it gutted me that I was I was really unhappy about the fact that we went down the way we did. But you know, what can you do on to the next one? Yeah, I think every single one of us knew after watching us fluff valuable opportunities in the first half. You know what I mean? We've been there. We've yeah. seen we've seen that. I mean, we 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 did we had similar situations against West Ham last week. We had some opportunities. We should yeah. have scored more goals against them. I mean, and and frankly, I don't know. The whole time you want to be thinking, "Oh, it's going to fall for us. It's going to fall for us." But you know, we just kind of looked snake bit. We made Czech look like the Czech of like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. and the thing is, it's not like he played out of his skull. We played so many like shots so close to him, to where he had yeah. to do just enough work to make it look like hard work. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like, like we, yeah. we we stung his palms a few times. You know, we should we should have challenged them a lot more than what we did. I mean, I don't know about you, but after that game, Dominic Calvert Lewin, mate, he gone right down in my esteem. Like you, the, the chances in in particular him that he spent, you know, games like that make or break a player and about DCL. I'll ask Paul this and then I want to ask ask uh, this to Max. Um, I expect some of those moments where he has almost certain goals and for him to just brain fart and end up messing it up. Because young players tend to do that sometimes when they're not in those circumstances enough. Because he hasn't played central striker or that main been our main striker that often. He hasn't been. Mm. And the only way he's going to get more clinical is to, to, to get more experience. Having said that, he plays at Everton, okay? So here's the question. I personally have uh, – it's hard for me to have patience with a player to give him those opportunities because I feel like Everton are a bigger club and they can't – they don't have the, the time to let him bet in like that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like the only time he should get to bet in like that would be Carabao Cup, FA Cup, get him, get him those minutes there or just as a late flyer in games. You know what I mean? So, or, or are we deluded? Should we be patient with players like that because of maybe we're worse off than we realized? That's a serious question because I don't know the answer to that. So, Paul, you go on that one. What you've just said then, it sounds very similar to how I feel about Tom Davis and that debate we've just had. Is he a player who is learning? He's young. He just needs time. He needs minutes. Or is this a sense where we look at him and think, no, you're playing for Everton. Everton are a team that has big ambitions and 
we're not going to realise those big ambitions if we just keep giving players opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and they're not taking them. Dominic Cavaloon's a weird one for me. I mean, as Max said, I can watch him sometimes and I can think, oh, it's you are useless. It's never, ever going to click for you. And there'll be other games where he looks the part, like Man City away. Um, what was the other, was another game this season? I can't think. He, the Carabao Cup against Southampton, he got two, including that Paler right at the end, the Gladys Street end. He, he's one of these players where there just isn't any in between. He's either very good or he just stinks the place out. There's a lot of games where he, he's played really poor and he's he's nipped and he's chipped in and got a goal like against Huddersfield a few weeks ago. I, I thought he was a waste of a shirt that day, but he got the goal and he's been in the team ever since. And there's been other games where he's ran his backside off and really contributed to the team and been one of the main reasons we've got one of the good results and he's not scored or come close to scoring. One, one thing I would say about him, and this goes back to the chance he had early when he was clean through on goal and completely fluffed his lines... He just he doesn't seem to have the instincts at all, and I, I don't know whether that can be taught to a player at, at his age. Maybe it can be taught to a player when they're about fifteen or sixteen, and they're still trying to nail down a position. But when you're nineteen, twenty, and you are you found your set position, you, this is the place where you are going to spend the bulk of your career. You can't be making the mistakes that he seems to make, where he just kind of overthinks constantly, loses the ball. Um, so Cavaloon, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe it would have been best if he was given a loan. I don't think he. I don't want to give up on him, but as Max said, he just he needs to he needs to stop fluffing his lines as bad as he's doing. Uh, so Max, let's move to you on this same question. Do you? I think a lot of times you see a lot of these younger players succeed for some of these smaller clubs because they can afford to be more <clears throat> patient with them. They can sit there and play them more often. But again. The size of Everton, uh, there are times we just can't we just can't afford to be patient with someone like Calvert Lewin, who I honestly think if he were if we were to give him a serious run at striker, I think we'd see more of that clinical. Eye. I think we'd see that. I just don't think we can wait for it right now. Uh, I think right, Everton being my family club, the the club I've grown up supporting, and the club that I'll support until the day I die. I'm always a lot more critical of them than it would be any other side. And yes, I hold us in the highest regard and that I know we're a big club. We're not as big as we used to be. And that hurts. And I'm always pushing for us to compete with them shite over Stanley Park and Manchester City and Tottenham and Man United and all these big guns. But then you get hit with the healthy dose of realism and you realise, yeah, we are in a sticky patch at the minute. We're coming after, We're coming out of a series where we've been through managers like there's no tomorrow. And um, we're in a real conflicted series of, you know, our systems. We don't know what system is, is our system and what football we play anymore. Um, as far as Dominic Calvert-Lewin concerns, uh, I, I know Jerry said there, you know, you want to give him a run of striker and you feel like you can do that. But, and yet I know it was kind of like he was the lone man up front with no one supporting. And we saw that when when we had Allardyce, when Allardyce kind of gave him that run up top as the, as the lone man, the lone striker to lead the line and, I said last season, you know, he, he was throwing in at the deep end and, he, you know, he, be, he was put in a position where he had to bite off more than he could chew. And, you know, I give him credit for that because, you know, he, he saved himself really well in the period of time where, it, where he was our number nine. But um, when, when you have options, because obviously, you know, we made the decision to drop Tosin, 
that is when the pressure's on that bit, little bit more. You know, it, when someone's there raring to take your place, and when the manager goes, listen, you know, Chen, you dropped today, Dominic, you've got to run out, you're leading the line. To, 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 to blow chances like he did, that one where he could have put it across for Richardson and, you know, got the ball stuck at his feet and got took out by Cech. Um, that one, I know, I know he was offside, or offside or not, mate. That that goal was gaping to, to get the ball prodded into it and he completely put it wide. Just things like that. And, you know, this is something that I talk a lot with, with family, friends and who are Evertonians. They, it, it, as, as Paul said, he's either hit or miss. You either rate them or you don't. And I did, I did rate him at first because especially when you see him for the under-23s, clinical, can head the ball, look strong. You, you can't. It's kind of like dropping a minute to defend in this over, in the Premier League. He, I don't think he can work in a system where he's the he's the he's the, the lead man. I don't think he can be that one number nine. I think he needs to have players around him. I don't know whether that means putting him in a two up front with someone to support him or what. Him. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be as harsh as to say I send them to the under-23s. I do think, you know, a championship loan, football league loan, would help because, you know, Jerry, Jerry you always bring this up, how, how much a loan like that brings on the physicality and, and the, you know, how clinical a player is. They, they, they learn to take the chances a lot more. Um, I would, ideally, that's what I'd like to do with them. But, you know, a lot's been made. I know we did a segment on it last time. Our, our, our striking options aren't... You know, we're not we're not uh, brimming with confidence when it comes to who we're sending out up front at the minute, and uh, I don't I don't think Cavalier has done himself any favours with that performance. And if Silver's you know serious about this, I, I think you know Cavalier's benched something like that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, on on one hand, he he actually was in position to get those chances, which I think is is already a big. That's not easy, you know what I mean, to actually be there, to yeah. actually be in position to score some of those. That's already a big deal. Um, yeah, I say you got the corner flag. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Like, I was curious about the fact that Tosin got dropped, all right? Did Tosin get dropped because he just hasn't scored and he's had some opportunities and he hasn't put them through? Or did he get dropped because Calvert-Lewin can stretch the field more? You know, I mean, think about it. We yeah. used his speed, you know, playing yeah. him through several times. Uh, and it, it, that's one of the ways we actually got him chances was because of that. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think right now this is where we're at. We've got Nias, we've got DCL, and we've got Tosun. They all give us something different, all right? Tosun is going to give us better hold-up play, and he can actually – usually he's clinical, all right. Usually yeah. he's clinical yeah. and he's decent in the air. Uh, DCL decent in the air. He's better connecting play. Can't, doesn't hold up the ball as well as Tosun, but he's faster. Nias has speed and is just like a chaos machine. You know, let's use them situationally yeah. and just realize that's where we're at. Because we don't have any other way to do it, really, unless we're thinking about Rich Charleston, mm. which we discussed last time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm asking this question about Davies and about DCL and about these younger players because I do think if they play more, we'll get more out of them, but we're losing points in the meantime. And we will be yeah, probably uh, losing points. Definitely. So, I don't know that I don't yeah. know that there's a right answer by the way. I don't. You know. No, well, I I think obviously, you know, we're notorious for giving young players a chance. 
But I think as time passed, the quality of that young player has declined slowly. I think over the last couple of years, you know, you know, the quality level of the younger players that we're bringing through. I'm, I'm, uh, that's, I'm, I'm not having a go or criticizing in any way. I think that you know, it's just you know, it's whoever the the academy produces. But to me, when I, when I look at Calvert Lewin, I just think. Yeah, great acquisition at youth level when we brought him in because he looked like he could really do the business at under 23s. But like like you said, you know, when he comes on, you know, when we're playing in the Premier League, what does he do? He, he stretches the pitch. You know, he, he runs about and gives defenders something to think about. But other than that, his touch isn't great. He, he started to waste a lot more chances. Is uh, particularly when he's out on the wing, his positional awareness isn't the best. Definitely. Uh, and you know, it just. I don't know. He's he just one of those players. When he gets the ball, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, it's like it's like seventy thirty the possibility that he's going to lose it within the next ten seconds. So, and that, that, I don't want to sound like I'm just having a go at him because I do like the kid. Because when he plays well, I think he's a really effective player to have. You know, I I think he's one of those players that we should bring on towards the end when we're winning, and you know, he wrecks a bit of havoc amongst their defence, but. I don't know. I just don't think now's the time for him, really. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. At, at this point, I watch him play, and he looked. He looked nervous yesterday. He looked nervous. Um, that was the thing that yeah. I really noticed. Because when he's come on, there's been times where he seems incredibly poised, like he feels like you know I, I should be here. This is fine. Yesterday, he looked like he he wasn't completely certain in his movements. He wasn't completely sure. That I'm not sure if I should go around Peter Check right now, and and you could tell that lack of certainty kind of had him stumbling over the ball. Um, oh, yeah. um, are we uh, just we're still we're still we're still here reviewing the Arsenal mm-hmm. game, aren't we? Really, I, I don't. Yeah, I just want to say on that on the Abam, that Abamian goal, right? Everyone seemed. I know Paul said, "Oh, we should feel hard done by," but I am in I am in this position now, and I have been for you know the last few seasons really where. I think blaming officials and referees is futile. I really do. I think the standard of refereeing and officiating has gone down significantly. And as, as soon as he, that goal went in, it made me think, right, do you remember Aubameyang's first ever goal in English football against Everton? And it was offside. Yeah. No, I remember. Good. I saw you tweet that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't... It doesn't... It doesn't even itself out. That's a load of rubbish. And if that happens down the other end, then do you think we're getting that goal? No, we don't. I, I mean, no. I will have a go with we need to bring VAR in because the standard of officiating is so bad in this country now, And as Max said. But the thing is, none of these officials can ever get called out publicly. If they ever get slated by a player or a manager afterwards, then that manager is immediately in front of the FA and he's getting charged because these referees are just immune to criticism. I get that these officials have a hard job and they're human beings and they've got feelings and you'd like to think in almost all the time occasions... Most of the time, they don't make these mistakes on purpose. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be that incompetent a lot of the time, then you have to pay the consequences. There's just too many officials in this country who make mistake after mistake after mistake and nothing happens. You need to be binned off. If I was that terrible at my job, I wouldn't have that job for very long. And some of these referees and linesmen have been in the Premier League for years and not improved one bit. If anything, they've got players. That's... You'd think it, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. 
But no, just for final purpose, you'd think for some officials, if they do this job for long enough, they would get better as they go along. Some of them just get worse and worse and worse, and they're even worse now than they were when they first took charge of their first Premier League game. So, yeah, I get what Max is saying. We have to eventually just put our big boy trousers on and just make our own look, mm-hmm. in a sense. But it doesn't mean that these referees can just keep going against us, given decisions that they would ne- never give the other way around, because... I'm convinced that goal, if Richarlison does that, <clears throat> no chance that goal stands. No. Uh, it's true, though. It exists. It exists. That that, that big club bias, it, it's very much there, you know, and it has been for God knows how long. Like, I can't think of a time where it hasn't Did you see been the video there. of the linesman oh. after he Arsenal scored that, the fist pump that he did? Oh, I saw that on Twitter. Somebody Someone put that little video of him, you know, going like that, and then he walks, he turns, of, does that. Now, I don't know what you're thinking when you're in that position. Bullshit. Why would you do that? It makes no sense. I, man, uh, I'm, I got really angry after that play because I thought that coming back from two against a team like Arsenal, who is very good in possession – they it, actually trying to win the ball back from them and get enough opportunities to get two goals to actually give a point. We had trouble just getting the ball from them because they're really good in possession, you know. Well, look, look at that first, look at that first half, Jerry. We we kind of, we had them mm-hmm. picked. We you know we attacked more down the right, the right hand side. The the old Walcott seemed to be in the thick of it. Um, he seemed quite wasteful with his chances. Not saying he had a bad game because he was really involved mm-hmm. and that weird bruising. On his eyelid, looks. What was the deal with that? Did anybody actually yeah. see how that happened? No, I never saw I, a video. No, 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 no. I can't remember, but it was, but it was weird. But kudos to him for his performance because I thought mm-hmm. he played really well. Yeah, you know, how panicked did we have there back line at times? You know, mm-hmm. and as I say, go back to what I said earlier. You know, the chances that we had and we we wasted them. And we could we could have carried on that dominance and we didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't blame the ref for the result. Just and the Arsenal response, the Arsenal supporter response is, "What about Gay pulling Lacazette's arm? That should have been a penalty." And they're responding to the saying that the Keen or not Keen, but the Kenny handball, which he had no time to move his hand. They said mm-hmm. that should have been a penalty as well. They said with VAR, both those would have been penalties. The handball, I don't think, would have because he didn't have time to move it. Gay, he did grab his hand. That might have, but you know what? It it didn't have much physical. It didn't have much physical impact, though. Did it, it, really? it did it throw didn't. him a little bit off balance. To be fair, yeah. well, the difference is those two incidents are subjective. The other incident with the offside—it's very subjective. black and white. That's be, so true. That is a, that's a very it's good black point. Ball. It's a close ball. He's he's offside. It's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. He's offside. The goal should not count. It's not something that they can talk about in the studio afterwards and saying, well, in my yeah. day, that would be given. Yeah. Or, no, I think that's soft. I, I, yeah, difference between attacker's mentality, defender's mm-hmm. mentality. But, no, the offside, it's, the, it's, yeah. it's in the rules. It's Paul, black that and white, is, as you say. That is a very good response to that. You know what I mean? Um, and I just want to bring up, I mentioned Kenny. Didn't do too bad. All right? He definitely... <laughs> he definitely mm-hmm. got done a couple of times on the wing by Obama Yang, but honestly, on the whole, a pretty decent performance from somebody who I think all of us after last season thought he wasn't ready. And I think this season I'm actually thinking, you know, he's not bad. 
I actually think he looks stronger than he did last season right now. I, 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 think, Ken, I think Kenny's one of those players who, unlike Davis and Calvert-Lewin, he seems to be pro progressing at a pretty nice rate type thing. He's not all there yet, but he doesn't have the type of performance where he plays so well, where everyone just mm -hmm. expects that from him every week, which is what we've seen from Davis and Calvert-Lewin at times. And he doesn't have performances where he's that bad that it sticks in your memory for a long time and then people hold it against him. I think he's found a kind of an even keel where he's not too great, he's not too bad, he's just developing mm -hmm. very nicely and he's taken it one game at a time, whereas Davis and Calvert-Lewin just seem to be chalk and cheese, chalk and cheese, that night and day in the mm -hmm. performances rather, they're either great or they're useless and people yeah. can't agree on them. And And Davis performed all of better. Yeah, I, I think all of them played all right. You know, I, I don't think anyone particularly had a bad game, really. It's just not clinical finishing. It's just... That's... Yeah, yeah. collectively in that second half, as I say, I think we just shrunk in confidence. We didn't take it to him once that first goal went in and we just kind of, you know, we conceded the possession. I looked, I looked at the possession of that and it was something like, Arsenal had something like sixty-three percent possession. I'm thinking, how much that, how much of that is from the second half? Because we seem like we had a decent amount. Of I the think ball they actually the had half. a pretty solid chunk of possession in the first half, which is funny to me because I thought our chances were way better. Uh, second half, though, the yeah. fact that they yeah. were just playing keep away, that was the most frustrating thing. Is the fact that they were so effective at their keep away when we just needed the damn ball, you know, to get any chance? Because I thought we were dangerous when we had it. They always, they always yeah. are being good at that, though. That, that, that's what yeah. Arsenal just did. That's why a two-goal well. deficit against Arsenal is trouble and sucks. So, all right, guys, we need mm. to move on because this segment has swelled enormously. Um, <laughs> it is <laughs> hulking Arsenal reaction. But you know what? I think we all had a lot to say after that one. Um, all right, so I guess that's it for our Arsenal reaction. Let's uh, move on to talking about our center midfield situation. So, guys, um, I see very often on Twitter people saying one of our biggest issues is our uh, center midfield situation. Um, the fact that uh, whenever we play Gay and Schneiderlin, they're two similar type of players. Uh, but for some reason, uh, you know, our, our combination of Gay, Schneiderlin, or Gay, Davies, or any of that, people just complain about any of those every time, okay? Mm -hmm. Also, we hear people screaming for Sigurdsson to be benched often. I saw that a lot today on Twitter, actually. Um, so, Davies just had a good performance uh, yesterday, where I, I'm not I'm not going to say it was stellar, but it was just so much stronger and less wasteful than it has been in the past. He was giving the ball away way less. He was being more careful, which is great. Um, I think the biggest shout that we hear for what we're lacking is a player who can take the ball and move it in space and cover a lot of distance and push the ball forward. Uh, and that player also needs to be a very, very good passer that can actually start playing some forward balls. Now, Davies, that's part of his supposed repertoire, right? He's supposed to be pretty good at doing both those things, and we saw a little bit of that yesterday. Um, so... Our center mid players for the, both the defensive and typical center mid and for center attacking mid, this is who we have to work with. Gay, Schneiderlin, Davies, Gomez, Sigurdsson, Bernard, Dowell. Am I missing anybody? Who might? Dangini. 
Money and gaming. Yes. Sorry, I'm a big fan of that kid. I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, yeah. uh, so the problem is with a lot of those people are saying that Gay Schneiderlin and Bonnie Gimi are actually very similar players. And they say Davies not always is good enough. So it seems like the solution here is to throw Gomez in when he's ready. Now I watched some film on Gomez today and I did some research. He's he's he likes to get up. He likes to get forward. All right, he's actually very good at carrying the ball forward and playing those forward passes. And he also tracks back on defense often. I feel like he's less defensive than Schneiderlin, um, but I don't actually think he's a center attacking mid. It's more of a center mid. Mm. Yeah. Um, and based on his... Sorry. Just just a number eight that we haven't had in ages. Exactly. And that's what it seems like. That's what we need. Uh, now, we have no idea if he'll be effective in this league. No idea. Um, but how would you guys kind of prefer when you kind of put all this together, what are the combinations you feel like don't work? What do you, who would you like to see given opportunities? That kind of thing. What are your, what are your overall thoughts here? Uh, Max, let's start with you this time because I so cruelly started with Paul last time. Well, uh, you know, I'm just thinking then uh, the, the, the qualities of the player that you just listed then, it just made me think that player is Mikel Arteta and we haven't replaced Mikel Arteta since he left. Good point. Uh, it, I, I really think that's true. I I, I always fight guilty Sigurdsson's corner there because I've got family members who always say that we haven't replaced Mikel Arteta and I go, well, I think Gilfie's kind of that molder player where he can make things happen on the front foot. But obviously in terms of statistics, he hasn't delivered as much as we'd have hoped. I still do think that, you know, he puts a tremendous shift in and covers a lot of ground. But in terms of the, the, the you know, returning, in term, in terms of you know what he provides, it, it's not up to scratch just yet. Um, yeah, like like you said on Andre Gomez, like I I said when I was you know going through, I think I, our best midfielder be the other week. I think there's I do see a lot of Morgan Schneiderlin and Andre Gomez. I just I just think Andre Gomez is a lot more forward thinking and carries the ball a lot more in a forward direction basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, um, I'm really excited to see him play for Everton because. As you say, like Paul said, there we haven't had a number eight that can you know go box to box and make things happen. I I I love Adrissa Gay to bits. I love Morgan Schneiderlin to bits. They were brilliant together under Ronald Koeman in that first season. Season, but they don't look. I'm not. I'm not going to say they don't look like they can work together because there are there are there are, you know, there are games where mm-hmm. they don't cock up or look dysfunctional. But you know, like, like I've said before, they do seem like just you know two different players trying to do the same job. Yeah. Um, in different ways. That's the strange thing. Yeah. yeah you know, they're yeah, both exactly. trying to play, the, do the same role in such a strange. They're so different, but they're doing the same thing. It's so bizarre how different they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think uh, I'm more in favor of Adrissa Gay's style of play because. Like I've said, that, that midfield player who can press and get in the face and not give the opposition time on the ball, I think that is the calibre of player that plays four teams in the Champions League and in Europe. You know, those those hustling centre midfielders who chase the ball no matter what. Um, but on the flip side to that, I'm also a huge fan of the, the Schneiderlin type player, you know, the... He doesn't look like he covers a lot of ground, but he pops up at just the right moments and patrols the midfield wonderfully. Um, it, it's not a nice situation at all because 
although you've got a lot of you know strong individual talents it's finding the partnerships and finding say we're going to play the three in the midfield which trio is going to work and uh, I'm a fan of Davies I've said that I'd like to see him play a bit further up the pitch in the number 10 role because I think that would be where he'd be more effective um, Kieran Dowell I'd like to see more of because I don't, I don't think we've seen enough of them in in the first team to you know make a fair judgment as if to you know to say if he'd be a you know better or worse than the other options. But um, yeah, I think I, I, like you say, Andre Gomez coming in that could that could potentially change everything. Mm. Paul, what are you thinking about all this? I think we're not going to find our best centre midfield partnership until we decide fully what type of team we want to be and what style of football we're going to play. Are we going to be a team that presses the opposition and tries to win the ball back within a few seconds of losing it? Like If we're going to do that, then that suits us just as Garnagay. We're going to go at the opposition. We're going to try and tackle them. We're going to harry them. We're going to try and win the ball back within a few seconds. Or are we going to be a team that just likes to get hold of the ball and protect the ball? And if we lose it, we just put a wall in front in in the form of Schneidlin. It's what type of football do you want to play? Do you want to be a midfield that goes to battle or do you want to be a midfield that just outclasses the opposition? Schneidlin's got a lot of class about him, a lot of poise, and he will win the ball back when there's someone in front of him running directly at him. Mm -hmm. He he, he does win a lot of tackles that way. But if you want a midfielder who's just going to chase the opposition, then Schneidlin's not going to do that and he never has done that and no one ever expects him to do that. That's where Gay comes in. So, I think they can play together, but they have to both know what style of football they're being they're being told to play, and they have to work it out amongst themselves who's going to do what at what moments. They can't both be trying to play the style of football they want to play at the same time on the pitch together. It has to be a case of no, we're going to press today. This is what you're going to do, Idrissa and Morgan. This is what you do, and you both stick to these roles. You don't kind of just revert to type and do what you what comes instinct instinctually to you if I pronounce that properly. You don't do what is just coming to you automatically. So we need to work out where we're gonna play because it happens under Coom and we just look like we were a mess in terms of what style of play we were gonna be. Allardyce, we know what his style of play is. I don't even want to give it breath and Functional. Silver <laughs> That's all he's thinking about. Functional. That, that, that's, <laughs> That's a very nice way of putting it. And <laughs> Silver, it, it looks like Silver hasn't quite made up his mind yet, or if he has made up his mind, it doesn't seem like it's quite registered on the players yet. We need to find out what style of play, what type of football do Everton want to play. Do they want to press the opposition and be high energy, like Liverpool, like Tottenham, like Man City, or do we want to be a team that just protects the ball, holds the ball, and just oozes class and swagger, and we are just going to... I'll pass you. And I'm not talking Roberto Martinez type ticky tacker possession type football. I'm talking about what a lot of these European sides do where when they got the ball, they make it count. And if you get the ball, you have to make it count because if you don't make it count, then you're not going anywhere with it. Yeah. So, think, and one thing I'll say about Davis as well, I've been very critical of Davis recently, but looking at Davis, he looks like he's caught between sort of styles too. It looks like some days he, he wants to try and be another Adrissagana gay. And he's been taking lessons from Idrissa. He's trying to press. He's trying to get involved. He's trying to get on the ball as quick as he can. And there's some days where he looks like he wants to be like Morgan Schneiderlin, where he can just want to rein himself in a little bit and just kind of only get on the ball and make sure when he's on the ball that what he's doing counts type thing. So I think Davis looks like he's just caught between 
Morgan and Idris are kind of having a tug of war over him type thing. He's like, do I go and lean off him and try and be like him, or do I try and go over here and lean off him and be the type of player he is? Silva needs to decide what style of player we're going to be, what type of player he wants to mould Davis into, because Davis looks like he's just his head's frazzled at the moment. Mm. I mean, he was he was better against Arsenal, definitely, but the last few months he looks like he can't make up what kind of player he's going to be, and the team itself, especially the midfield, can't make up what types can't make up its mind on what type of football it wants to play. I think we'll see what happens when Gomez comes in because I think Gomez is going to only fit one type, one style of football. And if he turns out to be a player who is going to just ooze class on the ball and not press so much, then I think we'll see less of a Dressagana Gay or vice versa. If he's going to be a player who looks to press on the ball, then I could see him forming a partnership with a Dresser. So I want to see Gomez as soon as possible. I really hope that he is going to be worth the wait because it has been frustrating. I've got no idea how close he is to fitness. Hopefully it's not too much longer, but I want to see Gomez and what he can do and what style of football we're going to play when he's in the team because we need to make up our mind very quick. Uh, I look at Silva's work with Watford and his style that he liked to employ with Watford. He liked to roll. It's sort of a 4-2-3-1, but also sort of a 4-3-3 at times when it comes to defensively. All right, uh, but he always used to roll with Capu and Decore, and then that other player would some. It would be Tom Cleverly while he was healthy, uh, or uh, Hughes, and you saw them playing yeah. that more offensive role. However, Decore would still chip in with goals and assists. Okay, put it making Capu that more, I guess, more defensive in nature player, which is that it is in his. That's the way he plays. So having said that, I feel like we need that connector between our our center attacking mid and our more defensive. Although they may be playing level often, I think one is going to be more defensive. And I, I think lately, sometimes we see Gay being that more offensive player, you know, that, that trying to play that eight position, and I just do not, th- I don't trust his passing enough, and I don't trust his his shot enough to play that role. I don't, although he's fast. He's the only speed that we have unless we play Bunningamy. Yeah, that Idrissa Gay, he's such a strange player because yeah. he, he seems like, it seems like he's got his skill set, you know, the harrying, the running, the intense pressing. The winning the ball, the you know the tidying up defensively, and that's his skill set. That's his bread and butter. But he seems to have this entire different side to him that wants to push forward, that wants to have cracks shots from the edge of the box, that wants to spray these great twenty-five yard passes. But those don't look natural no. to him. And uh, you know how many how many times do, do we do, do I put in on in the um, in the group chat, you know, Adrissa Gay thinks he's Frank Lampard again, trying to have another crack from, <laughs> from 25 yards, and it just ends up going wide. It, it's frustrating because you, you want to get to the point where that clicks, where it clicks, and those shots from the outside of the box are going in, where them passes that he's spraying or those forward balls are connecting and they're completing. They're not with. It's the moment I, the moment he becomes more efficient on the ball is the moment I think he solidifies his place mm. as always being a starter, personally. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to – I don't know any other player, though, that can play that eight role besides Davies, who, who 
in spurts does do that role, or Gomez. I don't know that we have any other player that can really do that. Schneiderlin can't really – that's not his thing. That's not what he does. And, and, and usually if he's playing, we've asked Gay to play that more eight role. You know what I mean? So trying to kind of identify these, uh, Gay and Schneiderlin on the field at the same time technically can work, but if we want to actually score, it's going to be tougher. You know, that's just that's just the way it is. It, to have that number eight who's actually getting us forward, spraying the ball, you know, spraying those through balls or actually getting it to the wing. Because Silva loves the wing. He loves to play through the wing so often. That's one of the things that I see. Uh, I, I do see a style developing, Paul. I do. I think there's something brewing here. I don't think it's possession, yeah. and I don't think it's – it's outclassing them, like you mentioned. I think it's battling and making the most of those opportunities when we get them. That's what I see as the style. I just don't think we're clinical enough to take advantage of that yet. You know what I mean? And that's why what you're no. saying makes total sense. You know, it's like I, I see what they're wanting to do, but it's just not happening yet. You know? Yeah. So uh, would you prefer Dowell or Bernard running the 10? Yeah, sure. That, you can take it, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> that was just for either one of you. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a hard question because I'm not going to lie and make out like I've watched an awful lot of Bernard. I haven't, mm. truth be told. I've seen spates of him on YouTube like everybody else and the couple of games that he's played and he looks a player and I'm not the biggest Dal fan. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't dismiss him completely. I wouldn't say that he's definitely not good enough, but I haven't seen much of Dal in the past year or so, whether he was on loan last season at Forest or this season the few times he's played like in the cup Dow for me doesn't look quite mm-hmm. ready for me I mean, but what do you do though to rock and hard place is would he learn any more than he did last season going out on loan again clearly Silver thought not because he's yeah. kept him but if he's here is he going to play enough games to properly develop short of a massive injury crisis it doesn't look so no so I think mm, it's hard to say because Dow's the kid with with youth and time to develop, but Bernard's the guy with reputation and maybe something to prove. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't really think there's a fair answer to that because both guys have, there's a good argument for both really. But if you're asking me personally, I would rather throw Bernard in and see what Bernard can do than throw Dowell in and see if Dowell can make something happen in his fifth or sixth opportunity of the season. It's interesting because it seems like Dowell, Silva sees Dowell as a Sigurdsson clone, the way we've discussed, playing more of that central role. And Silva immediately seems to to want Bernard on the wings because he hasn't played him in the middle yet at all, um, even though we know he can. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just curious as to how Silva views all this. Um, but right now, if, I would start Gay Gomez Sigurdsson as my ideal my ideal trio. I ref- I refuse yeah. to say holy, to say threesome. Your, your holy your holy trinity. Your holy trinity. I'd love to see it because I just think oh, they. Oh God! Don't say holy trinity, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm not know any of they, that. Are, they all three provide different things, though. And I see Bunningamy as like a backup for Gay because he does similar things uh, in terms. Of, and he's also yeah. one of the only ones we have. We just don't have a lot of speed in the center mid position, like any of the options at either the at any of those. So. I don't know, guys. Uh, is the solution to solving this in the squad, or are we getting one in January to kind of final peg? 
Just this is this is just predicting. It, it depends on what we what Gomez turns out mm. to be. If Gomez is turns out to be the player we all really hope he is going to be, then I think it's sorted. If Gomez comes in and he's another class fan or just a player who isn't bad but just doesn't really he isn't what we need. If he's just a, a carbon right. copy of a Schneiderlin, then I think yeah we we would have to dip into the market again, but. Hopefully not. Hopefully Gomez is going to be worth the wait. And I, he's a player I really can't wait to see. I'm looking forward to seeing him more than I am Yeri Mina. And I, I want to see both of them. But Gomez, I think, if he's the player that I really hope he's going to be and a lot of people are telling me he's going to be, then I think Everton's going to look a, much better, a, a completely different side once he's in it and he's, well, he's going on all cylinders. What do you think, Max? Well, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see Andre Gomez. I watched a lot of him, particularly when he was at Valencia, and he just seemed to be one of those players that stood out. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he seemed to be one of those players. You, you know, he catches your eye, and you think, all right, but man, seeing him in our team, and funnily enough, you know, he, he's ended up at us, and it, it, it's frustrating this injury layoff because you know, you how, how excited were we on deadline day when we got all these signings in, and uh, the, you know, the two biggest ones from Barcelona haven't even pulled the shirt on yet. It is really frustrating, and yeah. you know we we haven't been given really a time frame to, as to when they're going to be back. We were told after the international break they've not played yet, but yeah, as a, as I say, I can't I can't wait to see see him play because then you, that's when you're able to make your judgment whether he will be a different make, difference maker or whether he won't. Um, I I genuinely after after seeing the likes of Klassen. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to make a judgment to say whether I actually do think he will or if he won't. I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards that he will, you know, because I'm purely out of showing confidence in him. But, you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm just expecting any Barcelona signing that we get now to just ooze class and just not get not get injured. That's all I'm, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's great. I expect you to be amazing. Just don't get hurt. Because, yeah, because when I mean, you think about it, De La Feu, you know, he had yeah, class, yeah, but he was but, hurt often. Yeah, and to be fair, one thing Gomez does have going for him is apparently Barcelona, maybe it'll be different next summer, but Barcelona apparently it was just an absolute non-starter that we could buy him on a permanent. Mm-hmm. Marcel Brands mentioned that. He said we went in for the player and we were told, no, he's not for sale, he's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. Then they kind of called us back to, as the window ticked down and said, Okay, maybe he'll be available for a loan. So if Barcelona are not pushing out the door mm-hmm. exactly, they're not desperate to get him off the books and just wash their hands completely, then it leads to suggest that there's something there. And Barcelona's people, whoever in charge, it's not very often that they are completely wrong when they rate a player. What is Barcelona now, right? And who are those, who are those guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I. I think we're all about, about on the same page on this, frankly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Andre, get with it. Get with the program. Rehab. Let's do it. All right? I think he's almost ready for first-team action, to be honest. So, as in, like, practice. So, All right. Good. So, that's it for our midfield muddle segment. So, uh, guys, we're going to move on and talk about Vlasic, who actually uh, could have been in this segment. You know? So, yeah, we'll elaborate very soon. We're going to talk, we're gonna talk our, uh, our Croatian wonder that we, that we decided to, 
to let to let go on loan to CSKA Moscow. Nikola Vlasic. That's for our Croatian friends who actually watched and corrected our pronunciation. Vlasic. There you go. We took notes. We listened. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, we just talked about our midfielder situation. Um, and it's more of our center midfield situation because Vlasic is... Uh, would we all agree that his strongest position is probably that center attacking mid, that uh, that number ten position? That's what that's what Silva seems to think. Would you guys agree with that? No. Really? Really? <laughs> nah, nah. I, I, Do you I, see him on the wing? Yeah, I see him as a winger. Me, I think he just. Well, I think right when it comes to when it, when when you've got a player. This kind of blurb between, you know, you don't know whether he's a centre attack midfielder or a winger. I think putting them on the wing tells a lot more about the player. If they, if they're efficient with the space close to the line, if they can, you know, if they can cope with being close to the line. The big example, the example that I use is remember that phase where Roberto Martinez played Ross Barkley on the wing, mm-hmm. and Ross Barkley just struggled because he didn't have the room, didn't have the time, struggled being so close to touch. That is a clear indicator that he's more central than he is a wide player. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of Vlasic, I know he's very steady on the ball. He seems to have you know quite a low centre of gravity, which are all useful traits for an attacking midfielder. But those quick feet, the ability to be, to beat a man, the the ability to approach the box at an angle, I think he's just a lot better at that than he is square. With options, I think approaching at an angle to the box, he's a lot more effective. So that's my argument as to why I think he's a a winger instead. Um, defensive, uh, something that I know, Jerry, you'll probably flag it up because it is something that you do bring up, and it's a valid point. His defensive work rate isn't what it should be when he's out on yeah. the wing, but that, that's just my opinion. I, I think he's a winger more than anything else. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, Max. Those are valid points, and I think it's a solid argument. I just totally disagree, <laughs> which we don't do very often. Uh, and I, I do actually think that he see that Silva sees him as I think that's what he was talking about. He did an interview where he's talking about Vlasic. I think it was in the Echo, where he was talking about how I can't guarantee you minutes in that in the the position you want to play. Um, and I think and I. Totally gouge me later if I'm inaccurate here, guys. That he was saying that he sees that Vlasic is that center attacking mid role. That that's why he saw him. And I think that's what, is that that's what he's doing at in Moscow right now. Is that is that correct? Yeah, he's playing. He's playing high up the pitch. Playing that number ten. Mm-hmm. I think he is. So yeah, and for me, my issue with Vlasic on the wing or as a, a outside forward is. He's quick, but not fast. You know what I mean? Like he's good over five yards, but over twenty yards, I feel like those those outside backs will just totally. He won't be able to like over like pass them by the way Richarlison or Walcott can. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, Paul, I'm talking all over you. What do you What do you think about it, man? <laughs> Vlasic, uh, for me, he's a forward, but he's one of these players where. He cannot, you're only going to get the best out of him if you set him up in a certain formation. And I just don't see us playing in that formation. I mean, mm. he played a couple, a few times in a flat 4-3-3 and he kind of looked a bit like it wasn't 
he didn't really pull up any trees. And then he played a couple of games in a sort of a, um, what's it called a four-two-three-one. Uh, it's the number ten, traditional number ten. Well, mm-hmm. it, that didn't really get the best out of him either. I think he, he, he can play in a four-three-three, but it has to be a four-three-three where they're kind of just inside forwards type thing. They're not stuck out in the wing. He's a, he's the complete opposite of a Balassi and a Delafeu guys who stuck out on the wing when we were at him and they're just expected to whip crosses into the box. That's not his game. He's going to cut in. It's the type of player who are compared to maybe like an, um, I think the, the world's best example of it is maybe an Iron Robin type player, a guy who will get the ball, who will drive it forwards and he will cut in or he will release uh, release someone in front of him type thing. If you're just going to stick him out on the line and want him to, you know, play the ball to an overlapping fullback or whip the ball in from deep and you know, kind of get it on someone's head. I don't really think that's his game. And I don't think it's his game either when he's sitting directly behind a striker and he's kind of trying to play in the cent- in the central areas and carry the ball forwards from the his own half. Uh, Vlasic, I-, I like him personally. I, I think there's-, there's definitely a player there. If, if he doesn't cut it here, then I think he will cut it for someone in a de- at a decent level. And I... I want, I want to see him come back. I want to see him get another chance. But whether we're going to play him in the formations that will get the best out of him, I'm really not sure. But I, I think he's a forward player. He's not an out-and-out winger. I don't think he's an out-and-out number 10. I think he's... I'm trying to think... It's not really a number 7, because you, you class a number 7 as a wide winger, wouldn't you? Mm. He's, you know, he's, he's part of 4-3-3. But part of 4-3-3, where the two guys behind the number 9 are tucked in close type thing, and they don't kind of go out wide and take it to the corner flag. He's not a, you know, he's not a Walcott, he's not a Blas, he's not a Delafeu. Mm-hmm. I think Richarlison is a player who does that role even better than him, obviously. Richarlison's by far a better player. Just a player who's kind of a bit of an... Um, as Max said, he's, be- he's better when he's got angle and he's got room to cut in and kind of release somebody sort of thing. He's not going to be get the best out of him when you just tell him to stick to this instruction and do it, do it to a tee, which is stay on the line with crosses <clears> in or just stay in the centre and have shots from deep. Yeah, Max, you mentioned something that I think when you were talking about him, he did use the space well when he was when he was playing on the outside. He did, and Ross did not. That is, I would I would counter that I think Vlasic is a smarter player than Ross. You know I what agree. I mean? I, That's I, not hard. Yeah, no. I was trying to be nice here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, even though I don't really need to be after after the way you know Ross it, pieced out on us, I, you know. No, I'll, I'll say it. In Barkley's head, there's just a cow eating grass, genuinely. Do you know what I mean? Talented footballer, but idiot of a person. Oh, man. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's my thinking about Vlasic, though, is I actually think he uh, he's he's a clever player. And I think you want your clever players. And I, and I think he's actually quite good on the ball, and I think he can carry the ball the way Ross could. He's not as athletic as Ross was, but I do think he's he's got a, a better eye for a pass, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would love I would have loved to have seen him on our bench coming in for Sigurdsson every once in a while, just because it's so yeah. different than Sigurdsson. It would have been it, I think it, it would just been a very different look to be able to throw at teams because I like the idea of being able to sub Sigurdsson out sometimes. You know, I mean, yeah, he's an Iron Man, but sometimes throwing something totally different at the opposition would be great. You know, uh, I don't know. And right now, I, I think 
he he heard he wasn't going to get as much time if he was a backup. So he went to go somewhere and start. He played every game. He thought he literally his words I think were that last year was a was a uh, a waste a wasted year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I mean, and if I was him, the way he was treated sometimes, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, guys. Do, do we actually think that he? Uh, I mean, for the record, we haven't stated this yet. He has uh, one goal, one assist in the Russian League, and one goal, one assist in Champions League. So we were talking about how he's ripping it up right now for Moscow. It, it, yeah, he's he's doing quite well, and he's finding other people for goals as well, not just scoring them. Uh, do we actually think he's got a role at Everton moving forward? You just said, David, last two games, two goals and an assist, one being a goal in a Moscow derby, and another one, which I think is really interesting because when you talk about his career at Everton, you know, he's very much an outcast and there was no way for him to fit in. Obviously, since his move to Siska, you see, that his, his first goal was a was a 95th-minute penalty. So to entrust him with responsibility must have an impact on him psychologically or mentally, or but certainly has an impact, you know, where it gives him a lot more confidence mm-hmm. when he's on the pitch. So I think if he's to come back to Everton, You've got, you know, you've got to give him a crack of the whip in terms of responsibility. You've got to get, you know, you've got to, you've got to give him a pedestal to step onto. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. give it, give him, give him a, give him a load to bear. Uh, see what he does. Obviously, it looks like it's doing wonders at Tisca now. So, I don't know. I think that it just, particularly with young players, that seem to be in a, you know, they either they either turn up or fold under when when given responsibility and. If, if his time in rushes, what to go, to go anything to go by then? You know, give him some responsibility when he comes back. Yeah, you look at. I think Dowell was okay playing that backup role this season to Sigurdsson. I think he saw it as you know what I've waited my turn, and damn it, I'm getting a chance with the first team. That's awesome, and I'm going to get some time. I'm gradually going to be worked in. Vlasic is thinking, I've already been on a first team before. I've played Europa League. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's he's been a starter for a solid squad in Europe. Mm. So he's got to be sitting there thinking I he needs to play. He wants the minutes. There's some some players are okay at that stage of their development with just being an apprentice. Vlasic he's kind of like, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. I'm I need I need, I can't waste any more time. He's older, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he seems he's in a he's in an um, an athletic family, isn't he? I know yes. his sister specialises in high jump athletics, or, or yeah, uh, and I know his father had a lot to do with the, the development in terms of mm-hmm. you know sports. So again, it, it must be down to responsibility, you know, mm. to, get, to be to, to be in a family like that. Obviously, a pressure comes with it, and. Like you say, when when he's benched or or you know put to the under twenty threes or whatever, and he must just think, I've, I've been in, done that before. Mm-hmm. For me, he looks like a type of player who kind of maybe needs an arm around him at times, and he's not really had that since he got here. He got here, he was bought by Kuman or by under the Kuman regime, and we knew Kuman's not that type of manager. Right. Never has been. He kind of just kind of believes in players figuring things out on their own. And sometimes that works for certain players. Sometimes it doesn't work at all for others. And what happened after Koeman went and then Unsworth came in and Unsworth didn't appear to have any time for him at all. Mm-hmm. Did he make an appearance under Unsworth? 
don't think Unsworth he did. kind of immediately, you know, moved him down. I, th- I think yeah. I think Unsworth didn't yeah. like him. I, I don't know what the situation was, but clearly, just he didn't get an opportunity under Unsworth, and then Allardyce came in, and let's be honest, would, would you want that guy's arm around you, even if he was willing to give it? Uh, I wouldn't. So. Go great gravy stains. <laughs> your knees, your knees would give out on you. That guy was around you, and then what happened after that? He can't. Allardyce went, and Silver came in, and I think Silver could be that manager who does that eventually, puts an arm around and develops him and gives him confidence. But Silver's getting here in the midst of a massive upheaval. He's got enough on his plate, type thing. There's other players who require his attention more immediately, so. I really hope we haven't seen the last of Lasic. I, I think there's definitely a player there, and I, I hope to see him back here next season and getting a lot of minutes for the first team. But if it doesn't work out Everton, I can definitely see it working out for someone else. Because I, I do think there's a player there, and I think he's showing enough in Russia right now that if we do decide to just move him on permanently next season, I, I think someone will take him off us. But I, I, I want to see the, the kid. I wouldn't even call him a kid. He's an international footballer at this stage, mm-hmm. isn't he? As you said, he's played Europa League. He's had a taste of the big time. I want to see him come back and get a fresh start. I, I really do. I think he's shown enough already in his few weeks, months that he's been over on loan in Russia that there's something there worth developing and trying to shine kind of thing. And I think Silver, I'd like to think Silver believes in him too and Silver's just kind of keeping a watchful eye on him from afar rather than just forgetting about him entirely. Yeah, it seemed like Silver was just very honest. Vlasic went to him and said, yeah, hey, am I going to play some? Yeah. I don't know. You know, Sigurdsson's my yeah, starter. And these other guys are starting on, on the, at the forward position. So, you know. As, yeah, as, it goes back to what I said. Silva's getting here and he's he's got a lot mm-hmm. of priorities. He's got a lot of things to do. Vlasic is just nowhere near the top of his list right now when it comes to things that he has to really give his full attention. And I don't blame the manager for that, but hopefully it's a different mm-hmm. story next season. Hopefully he's rips it up in Russia and, you know, catches the eye in his in the, the European games. And and as I said, Silva is kind of, does have an eye on him and thinks, right, I'm, when that kid comes back next season, I'm going to have a fresh start with him. I, I, I really hope so. There's certain players who are out on loan who I don't ever want to see at Goodison Park ever again. <laughs> and there's certain players who I would be more than happy to give another chance to and he falls in the latter category. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried he's, it's bad timing for him to be at Everton with... Sigurdsson getting so yeah. many minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried it, yeah. we're going to be selling him next year, next summer, which is, which stinks because I do like him like you. So, oh, well. Uh, but he's doing well, so keep it up, Vlasic. All right? God bless, yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's it for our Nikola Vlasic segment. And we're back. We've got, uh, it's quiz time, cage match. Uh, This is a little segment we now call Thanks to Max, If You Know Your History. And if you don't know where that title comes from, I'm trying to figure out why you're listening to an Everton podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm American. I get that. Uh, so, So, guys... This uh, so so okay. Let me just go ahead and tell the rules for the people who weren't here last time, weren't listening. What's going to happen is I'm going to give these gentlemen a category, and uh, they're going to have to go back and forth naming correct answers to that category. 
yeah. the first person with an incorrect uh, incorrect answer, they lose. Okay, uh, if uh, unless the other person gets their answer incorrect, and yeah. then it keeps going. As Paul put it, it's like a penalty shootout. If you guys watch football, you know if you if you know what that is. All right, so. We are going to be talking today. Ready, gentlemen? Yep. No. Cue the music. See, we can't actually hear the music because they're placing this in post. But I'm pretending. Oh, yeah. I like this one. Yeah, this is good. So cue (laughs) the music. And, oh, we're going to flip for who goes first. Jesus Christ, this has got so many more features to it now. Yes. It's, It's becoming an actual thing. So, uh, who's calling it? Who's calling it? Tail. I will. Paul's calling it. By the way, this is the heads. This is the tail. You're calling heads? It is tails. Max, do you want to go first or second? Go on, I'll go first. Okay. And I would say start the timer, but there aren't any. Ready? Max, your category is the players that played in the 4-4 draw Versus Man United at Old Trafford. Nikiti Alavich. That is correct. Paul. Marwan Fellaini. That is correct. Stephen Pienaar. That is correct. Leighton Baines. Oh, Paul. Leighton Baines was out injured. <laughs> Who played them? That was before Abiedo, wasn't it? No, yeah. Yes, it was before Abiedo. I'm trying to to think who who we have left back. All right, well, I'll tell you. I'll go ahead and rattle all this off because normally saying Leighton Baines is in the starting lineup is a safe bet. Um, Tim Howard, Tony Hibbert, Phil Jagielka, Sylvan Distan, Johnny Heitinga. Darren Gibson, Stephen Pinar, Maron Fellaini, and Yelovich. Uh, so my thinking there is that uh, would uh, would either Distan or Heitinga play that left back spot? Oh, it was Distan. It was Distan. I remember I did, it, in that I spell did. when in, in that spell when Baines was out because I remember it was it was really up in the air about Distan being left back, but he did a good job. I didn't okay. watch that game. I remember that game really clearly. <laughs> so, Paul, you did stunningly well for have not having not seen that game. Uh, Paul, can you go ahead? I, I I mentioned the starters. Can you give me? There were two substitutes that entered that game. Um, do you know who they were? Yes. I don't know who was on the bench. Um, is this twenty twelve? Is that the year 2012? And of course, happened, of uh, course, I don't have that on me right now. I, was I think sitting, it was. It was. It was just after the um, the loss to them at Anfield at Wembley, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Oh God, don't remember. Yeah, it was that. a few days after that, wasn't it? Um, was my guy gay lurking around the team around that period? Yeah. Um, he was not one of the subs that entered. But he was lurking. He was lurking around the team at yes. that time. Yeah. Um, right. Strakulesi, was he there? He was not one of the ones that entered. I think I think Trentford had gone AWOL by that point. Um, who, who else was in the team in 2012? Uh, was it Saha? No, no, no he gone no, to Spurs, no, no. hadn't he? He gone to Spurs. Did, yeah. did James McFadden come on that game? Yes, he did. Fucking James hell. McFadden so did awful. come in. 
And there's one other player who one would think he would start. But he came in in the 83rd minute. Um, I can't give you any other hints because if I give you any other hints, you will get it in a heartbeat. Cahill? Boom. Yeah, Cahill. That's when Cahill was kind of got dropped in that last six months, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I was all I I was about to say, he's kind of one of my favorite Everton yeah, players was, ever. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was that kind of that, that final season, wasn't it, where Cahill just was a shadow of, of his former self and moved on. It was the right thing. I mean, it was heartbreaking at the time. I remember not thinking that was real. I remember thinking, no, that's not true. That Cahill wouldn't wouldn't sell Cahill to MLS, and then the next day he was gone. I just it was really really shocking. But it was for the best. Looking back now, it was. Cahill was, I wouldn't say shite, but just mm-hmm. wasn't the Cahill that I think he wanted to be. Yeah. All right. So uh, there was one tiebreaker question. All right. So the well, tiebreaker question, Yelovich scored two goals for Everton in this game versus United, but how many goals did he score over all competitions during his time at Everton? This is one that I should know. I, I, was a, I think I know I this. I was a proper Yelovich fanboy back it, in the day. I, 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 I think I know this. Is it 21? What is 17. Your... Paul nailed it on the dot. Well done, Paul. 21. Wait a minute. You're wearing a... Sh- your shirt is your cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was joking. I know, for those of you who are listening, he's wearing a, a Pirlo shirt with a number 21 on it, and it just happens to be the right answer. Yeah. It's the, 20, it's it the universe helping him out. <laughs> 21, is it 21 goals, 69 overall appearances? I don't um, have that in front of me, but 21 goals is wonder, definitely on the dot. I wonder how many, how many of those were just from that first season, though? Uh, 11 or 12. No, 13. Did he get good. 13 in his first season? Be, be a good chunk of them, won't it? So, yeah, I think it was like 13, 14, something. I don't know. Never the same. It was never the same, was he, after he... Collide with the post against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. My, 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 my thing is, I think after that first season, um, people wised up. People put two defenders on him, marked him out the game, and he just struggled. He couldn't, couldn't cope with that, mm. which is gutting because he was one of the best centre forwards I've seen in that one season. Yeah. It changes things when people see you coming. You know what I mean? They can plan around you. They kind of, yeah. So, all right. So, Max. Max will be, uh, Max. What what music would you like to hear, or which which music would you like for us to play at the end of this episode? I would like us to listen to "Bag It Up" by Oasis. It's from the last studio album, "Dig Out Your Soul." I'm writing this down. So, uh, why why is that your choice? Because it's an absolute banger. It's a like I think. Dig Out Your Soul is the most underrated Oasis album there is. Everyone goes on about uh, Definitely Maybe uh, and What's the Story, Morning Glory. But I think the last album's probably, in, well, I think it, you know, it's purely subjective, isn't it? But I remember, like, since I've moved to uni, that album is just my album. I love that album, dearly. I, I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I will say Oasis is one of those bands that as soon as... As soon as I heard about them here in America, I immediately liked them. I, I don't always, it's not always the case uh, where you hear one song, but I think Supersonic was the first song to hit the radio 
uh, here, in, in, at least in North Carolina. And immediately I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy that CD. <laughs> and me and no, my brother Liam just Gallagher, wore it. Liam Gallagher wrote that dead quick, apparently. Oh, wow. Supersonic, apparently. He just, he just, it just came out of him really quick. I met a boss in one of whatever documentary it was, and all this, and you learn loads of little, you know, quirky little facts about them. Mm-hmm. Such a good group. Um, so, uh, the, uh, the song that Max has chosen, Bag It Up, is that correct? Am I saying that right? Because yep. I actually yeah. don't know the song, which kind of ticks me off because I like Oasis. So, clearly, I don't know that album very well. I'm tipping my hand, it. and I'm a little embarrassed. Oh well. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, I'm assuming we are listening to this by, by now. It's going under our under our voices. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Anything else about about your your your, your song choice? Just an absolute boss song. All right. Enjoy. So we now know the the two criteria for Max to choose music for this is that it's an absolute banger and a boss choice because he said both of those <laughs> about the two songs he's chosen. Just saying. All right. Um, so guys, we need to finish up because I've got to go eat dinner and take my kids to practice. Uh, so, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. I guess uh, let's wrap this up. That's the end of our uh, of our if you know your history, which is the name of our new first segment. In uh, and also that's the end of the big show. If you've been listening via podcast, which you probably are, thanks. We appreciate it. Please subscribe to the Top of Blues podcast, rate it if you can, and uh, you know give a little review that says something like, "I totally agree with with Max's music choices. He and I are soulmates." Something like that. All right. Uh, I have no thank you. I'd rather not receive messages like that. <laughs> Everybody can use love. All right. So, <laughs> additionally, you should, uh, yeah, you should also subscribe to the Top Blues on uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, we're slowly racking up the subs, and we appreciate that. Check out also check out Paul just as a person, as an entity. He also he has a analysis on the Top Blues website, but also on the Liverpool Echo fan jury. Also check out Max on the Top of Blues website. And, well, he just pops up all over the place. So, yeah, you should check him out there. Uh, check out his Twitter page. You can see the, spe- the specifics on that. And uh, lastly, check out the Top of Blues website. All kinds of analysis from people that you uh, hear and see on here often. And, uh, yeah, uh, check out the Top of Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's all I have. No more plugging. I guess let's wrap this, guys. Thanks so much. Paul, appreciate your time, man. Paul's giving you the thumbs up, everybody. Max, good stuff. Thank you. All right. Very welcome. All right, everybody, we'll see you later. Thanks so much, and bye.